Hey everybody, this is a podcast, Kicking It with KJ. So we're going to be discussing, you know, the ups and downs of a volleyball season, specifically from the KJ point of view. And we're going to talk about how we work on building the character of the student-athlete from a really young age to their IDO soft to college. And we're going to talk about all of the wonderful experiences that you will have and traveling around the country, competing at a high level. Lifelong memories with your teammates. And wow, what about all that food around the country? I know you like that, Ryan. Yeah, that's, a lot of food. That's one of my favorite parts, too. <laughs> Diners, drive-ins, and dives with KJ. So listen in, take some tips, have some fun with us, and hopefully you enjoy this as much as we enjoy making it. Hey, welcome back to the Kicking It with KJ podcast, and we have some fabulous guests in the studio today. I'm going to start out with a brand new guest here, and that is Coach Stephanie Pond. Hi. Hi. Hey, Steph. <laughs> Hi. Welcome. And we also have Bill Callier back in the studio. Hey, Bill. Hey, Don. So Bill really wanted Stephanie for this topic. Tell us why, Bill. Hey, yeah. Today we're going to be talking about gold medal squared, what that system is, where it came from, why we use it, all those sorts of things. And I know Bill really wanted Stephanie to join us today in the studio because Stephanie is a big fan of gold medal squared. Can you share how you got into it, Stephanie? Sure. So I coach for a small high school. The selection of athletes is obviously smaller because there's fewer students, but we had some talented kids. We took them to team camp up at the University of Washington and started learning that there was all these kind of technical like science experiments ways to figure out how to <laughs> teach your kids to play good volleyball. So I was intrigued by the fact that there seemed to be a curriculum, much like at school how we teach math or English, and a pattern to follow to teach any kid how to succeed at a sport, even if they don't consider themselves an athlete. And I noticed they played it at the highest level. So even really good athletic kids, so to speak, were having great success with it. So I thought it would work well for our school. Decided to go to a gold medal squared clinic. And then when my own daughter decided, <laughs> I want to play, then I thought, well, let's take you to the best club in the region so Woo-hoo. you can learn. <laughs> well, thank you, Stephanie. And then Bill Callier was her first coach. So. Wow. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Stephanie, that was back in the Jim McLaughlin days, right? And not yeah. like that was that long ago. But Jim's it, early days at University of Washington before they really were a strong program. Right. They had just won a national championship, which is what just made us think, well, since these kids think they're so good, let's take them to team camp up there. And that's how we came familiar with the McLaughlins and then the gold medal squared system. Us too. And as an old school volleyball person, you know, being being a person from back in the volleyball days, the early days, it was a hard transition for me, I remember, because it wasn't how I learned volleyball. It wasn't how I learned to coach volleyball. When I was a college coach, gold medal squared was not something I was aware of. So when I came back and coached club, I, you know, I thought I knew how to coach. And of course, you know how to coach. It's just more objective way to coach. And it made a lot of sense to me. At first, I didn't fully understand everything, but it did make a lot of sense. It was objective and I liked it because it made it easy. Can I interject with my introduction to Gold Medal Squared? So my first four years of coaching, I was an assistant under an incredibly successful, really good coach, Nancy Zender there, good old Auburn High School. Hall of Famer. Hall of 
Fame. And then I got hired as the head coach at Kentwood. And that spring, before my season started the following fall, I went to a gold medal squared clinic in 2002. And I walked out of that clinic, the three-day clinic, so excited because I felt like I'd already been given a base of volleyball, knowledge, coaching, all those things. And then I was given all these principles and whatnot, methods and ways to come up with methods. Felt so prepared and ready to go on and coach at Kentwood. And that's it was a great run. It really was. Congratulations on that. And congratulations to you too, Stephanie. Stephanie has been to the state championship several times and the actual state championship match like four four times, is it? Yeah. Also a fun run. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, I think in 13 years, we went to the state tournament 11 times. It was really, really fun. Yeah. Anyway. Congratulations to both of you guys. Thank you. Bill, let's back it up a little bit. What is Gold Medal Squared, other than like a cult that you join exactly. and, and belong to? <laughs> it's funny is you'll hear some adversity out in the volleyball world about, gold. oh, you run Gold Medal Squared. And I think that comes from this perception that Gold Medal Squared is this like delineated script that you have to follow as a coach, that you become this mindless follower to the science behind Gold Medal Squared. And if I were to boil it down to something way more simple, Gold medal squared would be scientifically based principles. And from those principles, you're going to start to figure out how you're going to teach your kids or what you're going to do in practice. So it's very flexible. You might go into one gym and and that program needs to get better at serve receive. So you're going to you're going to make a practice plan that gets around that. Some of the principles, if any of them come to mind from you two, shoot them out here. But the first one is make your practice as game-like as possible. And that seems oversimplified, right? So we'll just get in there and do six on six and let's play volleyball. Bunch of wash drills, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. we do. We And we do do a lot of that. But you're also always battling, well, we have to get repetitions. We, you know, Don, if you want to get good at volleyball, doing it two times in practice isn't as good as 50. So how do we get a lot of reps but still make this very, very game-like? Yeah, I also like the principle of putting your best players where most of the balls go and then also the how to figure out where those balls go. Yeah, exactly. I think they produced a study that thousands and thousands of balls charted on a volleyball court. From all ages, right? From yes. like elementary school to the International Olympics. Men, yeah. yeah. Then there, you have a, you just divide the court into this little graph and start to put percentages down of how many balls go where and with a block up, without a block up, all those things from the middle, from the outside. And then as Stephanie was saying, you you start to see that in the middle of the court, a lot of balls go. And so why wouldn't you put your best defender there? And earlier, Stephanie referenced the 2005 season of University of Washington. Candace Lee was their libero. And Jim McLaughlin understood that principle and stuck Candace Lee middle, middle. And she was instrumental in their success of winning a national championship that season. Yeah, absolutely. But Stephanie, you bring up another good point. Early in my coaching career, most teams took their best, tallest kid and stuck him right in the middle. Mm-hmm. I can remember going to a gold medal squared clinic. I've probably been to about 10 of them. But the very first one, Carl McGowan says, hey, we're going have a draft pick and you have six positions on your court that you have to fill, what is the most important one you're going to pick first? The room overwhelmingly said setter. There was uh, some good discussion on why, and Carl goes, no, it's the outside hitter. And like everybody's like, okay, whatever, Carl. <laughs> and then he said, what would be number two? And there was more discussion, libero, um, setter again, middle hitter. Middle hitters, yeah. Yeah, they, that was a big one. And Carl goes, no, it's your other outside hitter. And then the third one was your opposite, who's sometimes your outside hitter. And so there was this huge debate, and I bought into that. And there was a discussion of why the most common play in volleyball is an imperfect pass, 
and then an average set to the outside, and that girl hits it, and the other team tries to control it and do the same thing. It's the most common play in volleyball. It's that objective, like statting the objective numbers and not subjective thinking of you need that athletic athletic setter that's going to get everywhere. Right. Yeah. Totally. And, it's and, and the middle hitter situation, right? They'd say she needs to block. She's the one that defends the other team from. And so there's this numbers look of how do you score? Well, you score most commonly from that outside hitter position. Right. Anyway. Isn't it 7% of the game is blocking or something? Yeah. When Carl goes into that, he's like, right. hey, we led the nation in blocking and our record was like 2 and 25 or something. <laughs> <laughs> but we were really good at blocking. <laughs> good point. So let's back it up a little bit. And where did Gold Medal Squared come from? Of course, you mentioned the late, amazing Dr. Carl McGowan. Yeah. He started Gold Medal Squared. And, you know, people can research this on the internet and probably get a real solid answer. But Gold Medal Squared were two, two gold medals. And the, the, People that he um, organized in this group, I, I believe Carl himself, of course, and then Marv Dumphy mm -hmm. from Pepperdine. He had a gold medal from when he, his association with the U.S. men's Olympic team. Mm -hmm. And I believe the other one was Doug Beal, Dr. Doug Beal. And so that's how it all started. And then Jim McLaughlin soon came on board. He was instrumental in our area. I mean, he took that program from last in the Pac-10 at the time to winning a national championship. And I think if we don't have Jim, Jimmy Mack with us today, but if you were to ask, he would say there's a lot of things that go into it, but that believing in putting into force gold medal square was instrumental in, in him winning that national championship with his girls. Well, he used to say, too, at his camps for kids, he would say that to the parents, one of his main goals was to Im increase and improve the level of play in this region in volleyball. And I think he definitely did that, not only through his camps, but through this gold medal squared system that kids went there and learned and learned how to play better ball. I know even in the leagues that we play in, in my high school, the more coaches that would come to me regularly and ask, how come your kids know how to do this? How come you always have great athletes? And I'm like, come on now, some of these kids can't tie their shoe right you know <laughs> actually I'm kidding if my kids are listening they're great <laughs> we weren't waiting for that six six kid to walk in the door we weren't waiting for the six foot kid to walk in the door we had to teach them the ones who came in and that's what Carl would say get every kid you can to come in the gym and then teach them you're a teacher this is your classroom here's a curriculum you can use as a basis not as a Bible, and but sim basis. like what is the saying? Simple is better than complex. Yes, I yeah, love that's that. That's one of those principles right there. As you're teaching, and we we were just having a practice last night at Kentwood High School, our KJ 16s, and you know these kids come with different ways of passing or spiking or setting. I had a conversation with our libero. Hey, you've been taught to do it this way. I'm going to ask you to try it this way, and the reason behind that is I want to see simple movements. Because we believe the more simple your movement is, the more likely you are to duplicate that correctly over time. You should see these kids light up. They go, yeah, 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 no, I get it. So tell me how you feel. What did you think about that move? No, I can see. I can feel that. And then they start to buy in and start to, I don't know if we're going to talk about it later, but that's actually one of the complications of gold medal squared. Do we want to is, talk about that later? Go ahead. The buy-in to it. <clears throat> yes. We do so much, put so much effort into having them know why they're doing what they're doing that when they go off to college or to some other club or to their high school and those coaches don't have that same, take that same time and effort or the understanding of why they're having their kids do what they do, that <laughs> I'll get a text, hey, I'm at college and I can't believe... I'm like, hey, hey, there's lots of ways to teach volleyball, and you're going to get better <laughs> at what you practice, so just go practice. Right. <laughs> we definitely don't want to be the superiority complex that right. we're the only one that knows what we're doing. 
You'll definitely get better at playing volleyball by working at playing volleyball rather exactly. than arguing. That's exactly. a cards karai like motto. Like just play. Like go out with a ball and a net and some people and just play as much as you possibly can. Yeah, exactly. I love that. Stephanie, can you talk about as a parent now, you're a parent of a former college kid, a high school player. Talk about when you're in the stands with parents, is this a conversation people are asking questions about? Because it does become a cult or a Bible, like they have the gold medal squared Bible, like what's that like? So Sure. Yeah. So recently it was, my kid already knows how to play volleyball. I don't know why they need to start over. Or what's the big deal? Why the difference? We can get into quite the conversations and then they'll want to argue with me and then I'll have to stop and realize they don't know I'm a coach. So I'll just, you know, stop. But the interesting thing is, is a lot of moms played volleyball. The nice thing, because my husband's also a basketball coach, is that most parents, they didn't used to argue volleyball. Like anybody who's ever has ESPN would argue basketball, but they didn't used to argue volleyball, but volleyball has become much more popular and people have, it's much more of a spectator sport with the rule changes that they've made. But the parents will ask, what, what are they, what are they doing? What are they talking about? And it's just an interesting thing to talk with them about. Your daughter is going to be able to learn a system and she can learn. So if you just encourage your daughter to be a great learner, she's going to learn to love this system. That's such good advice. The sooner they can stop the argument in their head, you know, I've always passed with my fist inside of my other fist, you know, or whatever the situation may be, or I've always set off my left foot or whatever that's different. The best thing for the growth of any child is to be great at learning. And if they can maintain that through adulthood, then they're better off. So it's kind of easy now with parents where I don't really argue volleyball with them anymore because they're not coaches. And neither am I when I'm sitting in the stand. So we just try to keep the conversation. Oh, yes, you are, Stephanie. (laughs) We try to keep the conversation about what as parents can we do to help our children make the most out of this practice and out of this season. And that is just to really encourage them to be great at learning, to listen to their coach and see if they can make the words they're hearing or the demo they're seeing, which is also a great principle in, in Gold Medal Squared is to show rather than tell. And then see if they can make their body do that thing, whatever the coach just said. Right. As you were talking, Stephanie, it just this, I love simple explanations. And gold medal squared could be described as, what do I w- need to get better at today? And how am I going to do it? That's as simple as gold medal squared can be in my mind. It really is. And, you know, we talked about some of the the great introductions to it here in our region We've had some fabulous high school programs and clubs that have soon adopted it like we did. And everyone has a little bit of a variation to it as well. Can you talk to that? The most obvious one is the University of Washington. Highly successful, instrumental in bringing that system to the Northwest. And people flocked to it. You also brought up a point, Stephanie, that the University of Washington was highly successful with a lot of local kids. They didn't have to go recruit Southern Cal or Texas or Wisconsin, you know, Serbia. Yeah, Serbia. They did have one very good international or two, Two, actually, Donka and Sonia, but they were able to do the bulk of that with local kids. To your point of the system is so important and not necessarily just always having the best generally athletic kids, although jumping, you know, and touching yeah. 10 foot six is pretty good. Jumping, jumping high, hitting hard. That's yeah. a principle. Right. I don't know the local clubs back up. So when kids wanted to play club volleyball in my brand new years at um, Kentwood High School, they would ask, where should I go play club? 
And we we really wanted to say stress to them, you know, it's not always the club that is this perfect fit, but you've got to make sure the coaches at that club work with you. But we talked about clubs that ran the system that we taught at Kentwood because that's important. Mm-hmm. You know, you you spend what is it seven eight months of the year learning what you're generally going to be learning in our gym. That that would be helpful. And there was just a handful, and now there's a lot more. And people are way more cognizant of asking that question, what do you guys teach? What do you... Right. So, right. Yeah, when I first started coaching club, and I went to one of the courses that they have all the club coaches go to, I literally got called a Kool-Aid drinker for coaching Gold Medal <laughs> Squared in the session. And we still joke to this day whenever I see some of those coaches. That was Dragon, wasn't it? (laughs) (laughs) We love Dragon. We love Dragon. (laughs) Dragon. You know what I love about Dragon is how he has continuously given over the years to the sport of volleyball and to kids in his area. We joke about it every time we see each other, but the thing was is that you know, you mentioned earlier, Bill, about simple is better than complex and how it helps the individual with the individual skill that they're working on. On a team level, I think simple is better than complex because your teammates aren't guessing what you're doing. They aren't guessing, oh, is that setter going to take two more steps before she sets that ball to me? How can I get in rhythm? And I look at some of these other systems and I wonder, aside from that hitter being with that setter a lot, how do they get in a good rhythm where they have a predictable movement pattern? The thing I love about Gold Medal Squared is you teach the kids how to move and what to see. And so then they play better volleyball. They play better volleyball individually or, you know, if they're playing doubles beach, but they also play better as a system and you have fewer, I've had so much less bickering and different Mm -hmm. things because the kids learn to trust each other because they understand I do a four-step approach and you do a four-step approach. And this is your area and this is my area. Right. And I've got short and you've got deep, like it's, it's verbalized. Right. And we're both looking at the same thing. So I'm no longer guessing at what you're doing and then being frustrated when I guess wrong and it's your fault. Yeah. As you were talking about that, I, I envisioned the majority of matches, if you watch, it, it tends to go, the rally ends by some mistake. They didn't block well, they might hit it out. And then the coach standing up and getting that player's attention and saying, hey, you need to do this, whether it's get your elbow up or you need to do this with your arms and, or when you're digging. or So there's this uh, coach the mistake approach to mm-hmm. it. And as you were describing, it's more of if you're doing this right, the kids are starting to see the game and starting to understand. And so they know. And so you don't have to to be that coach that's constantly and and they don't turn and look at you after every point. They're, They're playing the game and they're understanding it. Well, great points brought up. There are obviously weaknesses in everything you do. Can you guys talk to maybe any weaknesses in a program like this or a system? There are none. Okay. But seriously. (laughs) Yes. I think people that get into gold medal squared system might be less flexible to make changes. I went to a clinic and I was told that this is what I need to do. And instead of keeping that open mind of, okay, gold medal squared is really about what do we need to do to get better? These are the principles behind the the best ways to score the most points. So I think like when I think about the system, like I was such a, you know, no, we always pass the ball 10 by 10 and you will stand two by two and, and all of these things. And then uh, we would run up against other programs that would figure out just to push the ball into the deep corner because my kids couldn't get that ball. And it was like, okay, because of the movement patterns of you and the tendencies of them, we're going to have some flexibility and change it. And when I first changed them, my girls were like, just ready to fall over like what what do you mean you know we can't triangle pass over our left 
that's weird, you know, right. just different things that, that you do tend to, it's nice because you have this structure to put in place to help the kids all play better ball. But then when situations arise where you need to change it, I hope I had to learn how to have my kids practice when we're going to have to change up our system a little bit. And I remember when we won a national championship, I was coaching with Paula Schwan and Kimo and our 16s were out there playing. And Paula was like, we're going to change our defense over to a, a rotation style of defense because of this team. And I was like, no, we don't change what we do because of them. Um, <laughs> but of course, I didn't say it out loud. I just thought, oh, what's going to happen? Oh, no. You know, and um, the kids were able to adjust and, and did that. But I would say that is one of the weaknesses of having such a fantastic structure is that you rely sometimes too heavily on the structure and you're not willing to bend for the sake of, you know, the individual athlete or or the situation. Very good point, Stephanie. And oh, there's always going to be adjustments, but if you play the numbers and the statistics, which is what it's all about, mm -hmm. those are going to be fewer and far between. 17% when it goes in the deep corner or, or deep on the line, you know, how do you adjust to that? But that's such a low percent. I love that you bring up those points. I would also add that some people would think because traditionally the ball always goes outside because we're always a high percentage of the time and out of mm -hmm. system play rather than trying to force it somewhere else, it goes out to a higher percent type of play within the system. So you get some players that go, Oh, they never set the middle. Like you definitely get that, mm -hmm. but being diverse and adding that kind of element to is really important to our coaches and to our program and to our system mm -hmm. that I think that that's not an issue for us. You just made me think of something, Don. Kids know this system. And they know what you just described, where most balls go. And so where do they all want to play? No. They all want to be outside hitters, right? So it's this team we just assembled this year. Hey, everybody that wants to be an outside hitter, go on. And the whole team went over The whole there. team. And there's <laughs> there's one kid, Rudy, who was <laughs> was ready to be in the middle. She's the smart one because she smart she's one. always on the court then, like right? You're always going to have a spot, Rudy. <laughs> Um, and uh, so, yes, that's a pretty important position, but the outside hitter doesn't exist without a middle on the court. Team. Absolutely so, not. Right. Yeah. That's a good well, point. Any final statements, you guys? Great information and feedback. And I think it kind of describes our philosophy from our club. And what I want to add to that before you, as you're pondering what you want to say is what I love about our club is we're trying to do the same thing at 10, 11, 12, all the way through so that there is that consistency and that coaches want to come and coach with us because we do have a program and a system that they know is going to be consistent across the board. There's variations for sure, but they know they're going to have that consistency. Yeah, great point. They know they're going to have that consistency and they know they're going to have a chance. If they got chosen for the team, they know there's a fair way for me to be assessed, for me to learn, for me to know where I'm at on my team. So no one's sitting there pouting. Well, they might be pouting, but deep down, they know it has nothing to do with whether I'm the coach's favorite or not. It has to do with, am I learning this system and am I helping my team? I think that's hugely valuable for all kids. Very, very strong. Cool. Anything else, Bill? No, love the conversation. Thanks for bringing it. Well, thank you guys. I love having you here. And until next time, happy volleyball.